Welcome to Meltdown to Mastery, empowering women to overcome midlife crisis by rewiring the subconscious mind. Feeling overwhelmed, disillusioned, stuck? We all have. Here we explore inspiration and empowerment to navigate through the tough times and move to a place where hearts soar, minds manifest, and bodies heal. Welcome, Spiral Uppers. Today we have Carolina Gutierrez, a business unicorn and serial entrepreneur who uses her intuition for every step she takes in life. Carolina is going to give us her top five tips to turn your intuition into an on-demand tool. She's going to teach us how to live an intuitive-led life, how ADHD is her superpower, and how business and intuition can work together. Welcome, Carolina. Thanks for having me, Jane. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. So intuition, that's something we all have. Absolutely. Right? But it can be honed. And I love that you teach business people how to use their intuition. I think the best use it naturally, but they might deny it, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're probably more gut instinct. You know, they, they, they probably label it differently being the yeah. marketing geniuses that they are, but it's the same thing, right? Right. So how did you become so passionate about it? You must have honed it yourself in your own life and then learned how to, you know, to use it as something you could teach others. So, you know, if in a perfect world, I would be able to give you, yes, that's exactly what happened, but no, (laughs) it wasn't um, that, that's a, that sounds very coordinated and planned. Um, I would say mine was um, the school of hard knocks and life teaching you. I think life is a fantastic teacher, um, especially when it comes to intuition and when you don't listen to it. Right. Because you're like, you know, I kind of had a gut sense. And then, you know, things don't necessarily go your way. But uh, just going back to your question, I would say intuition has been present in my life since I can remember and very actively present. Um, And so um, it was something that um, I learned by my teenage years that it was something that um, I needed to listen to. But what I didn't you know, and and a lot of people that come to me to get trained have the same question, you know, it was very hit or miss. There were times where I'm like, oh, I'm sure my gut's saying this, right? And it's been right in the past. And then it wasn't like, whatever it was that I was dealing with didn't end up turning out. And I was like, well, well, why was my gut wrong there? Right. And so it took me a bit of time to kind of really hone that and look at it from the sense of, you know, that instinct, that that voice, I call it the voice within, that's always present, but it is filtered through us and through our life experiences and through our traumas and through our static and noise and all that stuff, right? And so, you know, part of really honing my intuition, and this is a, a recommendation that I give everyone, is you got to do the work on yourself in order to really maybe not clean that filter because I don't want it to seem as if we're dirty, but to identify where that filter might not be as um, clear or as um, unobstructed as we would like it to be. Right. I love how you say the voice within and (laughs) 
that's right. We all have it. Yeah, absolutely. That is also because it's that voice within is often a whisper, isn't it? And if the static is there over top, it's hard to hear and get the clear message. Exactly. And, and not only is it, can can the static um, be something that hinders you hearing it? Just the simple practice of, of not listening. Right. can hinder you from hearing it, right? It's like a muscle, right? You're not going to all of a sudden go and bench press 100 pounds at the gym naturally, right? You're going to build up to that. Right. And it's the same with your intuition. Yeah. So let's go into the five tips. And as we go into them, maybe you can give us some of your own experience, you know, where you weren't quite listening or it's, you know, because of the static or often we want a certain answer, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Your intuition doesn't always tell you what you want to hear and you need to be prepared for that. Right. I would say, let's start with that one. Right. I think that one is, uh, is one of the ones that, you know, people think that intuition is, is always gentle and it's soft and it is, you know, kind of etherical and positive and no, no, it absolutely is not. Right. Um, and, it, it, it is always the first response that comes. Um, so if you, if it's a response that you don't want to hear, you need to do that work to be able to kind of put your ego aside, put your own agenda aside and say, what is the answer that's coming through? Even if it's the answer that I don't want to hear, am I willing to honor that answer? Yeah. Right. Because a lot of times, you know, like I, I jokingly tell people in my in the intuition class that that I run, I say, you know, the biggest lesson that I got from my first marriage, which was a total disaster, was that I didn't listen to my intuition. And after leaving that experience, I always said, I'm never going to let that happen again, because it was very clear from the very first week of meeting my ex-husband. My intuition was like, don't do this. Not a good idea break, break, break. And I was like, I don't know. I don't don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting this feeling. I remember saying that to him. I'm like, I'm getting this really weird feeling, but I don't understand what it was. Right. And, um, you know, just looking back, walking down the aisle, I remember there was signs left, right and center. Like my, my legs stopped being able, I couldn't walk up the steps. My, my bridal party lifted me up. They just thought it was nerves. Right. And so, um, I would definitely say, you know, um, be willing to do that work, put the ego aside so that you can actually hear what's coming through. Because most of the time, or not most of the time, but a good chunk of the time, you're not going to like the answer. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. in that case, you ended up learning a lot from the, you know, the absolutely, absolutely. It was an expensive lesson. Let's put yeah. it that way. <laughs> you could have chosen an easier path perhaps. Yes, absolutely. There's yeah, but there's no perfect path either. So, no, no, right? no, so, not at all. But yeah, interesting that so many signs were there. And so was it a gut feeling inside as well? Like kind of that tight feeling like this is wrong. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I tell people is, Intuition is a very personal language to you, the person that's receiving it. So the way intuition appears to me is not the same as it appears to you. 
I very much call it the voice within and my own podcast that's about intuition is called the voice within. Mm-hmm. I, I purposely named it that because that is the dominant way of how it shows up to me. It is a voice in my head that whispers to me, right? Um, secondly, it is in my belly. It's a tension in my stomach, right? If there's tension, if there's something, you know, if there's tension anywhere in my body, there's something that's not this isn't the right direction to go. Um, so, you know, everybody has their own intuitive language. And so your job in order to develop that intuition is to start to identify what's that language for you, right? For some people, it's songs, right? Some people wake up in the morning and they're singing this tune that they haven't heard in 30 years. They're like, why am I singing? Like, why is this stuck in my head? And they can't figure it out. And then they go look up the lyrics and they're like, oh, and you know, it starts to it starts to resonate with whatever it is that they're going through. You know, for other people, it might be exterior signs, right? For some people, it's um nature. Uh, for some people, it is when they're walking down the street and the people that they come across. So as abstract as that sounds, and it is for some of us, right? It is very personal. And so your job is to start to learn to figure out how those messages come to you. Um, another tip that I can give your listeners is, and, and this is straight from my workshop, you want to start with something that is not of big consequence. <laughs> right. So what I mean by that is you're not, if if this is the first time that you're actively looking to engage with your intuition not in a passive way, but in an active way. Because passively, you know, you hear people say all the time, oh, um, you know, something just said, stop the car. And, and I don't know why, but uh, it, something screamed in my head, stop the car. And then all of a sudden, a drunk driver drove through and, and they missed me, right? That's a very passive way of receiving it. But an active way would be actively engaging and saying, you know, what what's my day going to look like? Is this a good idea to do? Things of that nature. So when you're actively engaging with it, you don't want the consequences to be huge because you're just learning. So imagine that you don't speak Japanese and you're on your first vacation to Japan. Um, Is that the, you know, are you going to try and muddle your way through without Google Translate or even an old school dictionary in your hand, you know, through signs and and gestures? Um, That might be really challenging. So you want something that's easy. Um, and the recommendation that I give people for that is traffic, actually. Um, do I take express or do I take collectors? Is this the exit that I should get off of? Or should I, you know, maybe take the the exit past this? Things of that nature. You don't want to do it on a day that you're going to be late or you're going for a job interview. Because again, that has much bigger consequences than a few extra minutes in traffic. Um, but that starts to really hone what, you know, what that feels like for you. Mm-hmm. I love that. Because if it's too big too, fear gets involved and then that's all absolutely static, right. And, and yeah. And that, that is fear, anxiety, doubt that blocks it. Right. And so you, what you want to do is you want to build up your trust with these little things so that once, you know, a big consequence scenario comes across your lap, you've you're now very comfortable in recognizing when it is a yes or a no regardless of the cons uh, or not the consequences but regardless of the stakes that are involved in this decision yeah 
something I've honed is, you know, when you have a, a big decision, something that like often it'll be moving or building or something like that. And mm-hmm. the style that you want to build or what you want to do, if it doesn't quite feel right, I just put it on hold. That's <laughs> you know? awesome. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah like right? it's, it's like, it doesn't feel quite right. So we're just going to put it on hold and then the yeah. right thing comes. And that can be really challenging um, when you're in business, right? Yes. Because a lot of times people say, well, this makes business sense. Yes, I understand that it makes business sense. But when you live from an intuitive place, it doesn't just have to make business sense. It has to make intuitive sense. And if that, if there is just that slight bit of uncomfortableness, I always tell people, just err on the side of caution and say no. Yeah, because in business, it's almost always a yes or no answer in the mm-hmm. world. Exactly. But, you know, and the other thing too, that that can cloud that up is fear of succeeding. Right. So again, that's where that, that you got to do that work because that fear can mask itself as tension in your body for you to say, oh, is that my intuition saying no? Yeah. Right. So it's this tricky balance, right? Meanwhile, we have all those unconscious fears of, yeah, possibly success or failure or whatever it is also muddying the waters. Absolutely. So I love that. So traffic is one of the ways that you could practice. Do you have any other great ways that that you have used or told people to use? Sure. So, um, you know, I remember when I was teaching the class the first time, it was like 12 years ago, um, we were on a busy street in Toronto here and um, the space that I had rented and there was a window. And I was like, well, what am I going to tell these? Like, how am I going to impart this? It was raining outside. You know, usually I tell people let's walk around. I partner people up. So I said, um, start, stare at the window and look at the cars coming by and start to ask, you know, what's the color of the car coming by, right? Mm-hmm. And and start to take, so one is asking. If you want to actively engage in your intuition, you got to ask. It's not going to, you know, life and death scenarios are going to come to you, but otherwise it's not, it's not just going to happen, right? You want, if you want to call it and really develop it and hone it into that useful everyday tool, you got to call on it and say, hey, I need your help. What's going on here? Yeah. Um, and in the workshop, I teach a very specific formula of how to uh, of how it's worked for me and and how my um, my clients have learned um, that formula as well, and it's been very successful for them. But um, you know, really mu- clearing that down to its essence is some form of asking, right? Some form of saying, "Universe, God, you know, spirits, or uh, intuition, guide it, whatever label you want to put on that." That resonates with you, you still got to make that that first move, right? Think about it like you're courting, right? No one's going to go on that date until one of you gets the nerve to actually ask the other one out. Yeah, I love that. Forgive me, listeners, I've told this story before, but I I always was in tune with my intuition and asking. And I remember I was in a very serious uh, situation where I felt that what I was doing in life wasn't what I should be doing for my sole purpose. And so I got down on my hands and knees and I asked the universe to show me or tell me what it is I should be doing in life. So that's a really big question, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 
Yeah. Good for you. Good for you for trusting enough. Yeah. And so three days later, I was walking my dog and I was in nature. And that's often when your mind is clear and, you know, you're not thinking too much. And it just came like a, like an, a voice. And I knew it was my own voice, but it, it just said, you should be a doctor. And I was stunned by it. Like just stunned. Cause I had never, I, I was always into natural medicine. My mom was, you know, but to be a, an MD was not what I had thought at all I would want to be. But when I went to research it, naturopathic medicine came up and that resonated so much that I was enrolled in two to three months. It was, it was just mm. crazy how fast it happened. But that's, that's like guidance too, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting because like in just the little bit that you've shared, you've, you've, you know, you've really accessed part of the formula. One, you asked, two, you surrendered to reckon, you know, being open to the answer that's there. Three, you put yourself in a, in a place that allowed the static to dissipate and nature's fantastic for that, right? That the act of, um, you know, just walking and really being grounded in that space is going to really help to kind of um, calm those other fears and beliefs and thoughts and things that you have actively going on, you know, within you, that internal process enough to be able to be receptive to what comes, right? Yeah. And I had no expectations as to when it would come at all. Mm -hmm. Like, so Mm -hmm. it's interesting. Do you have a story like that or something that, you know, you could share that just would give that excitement of, of. Sure. I I have a lot of them actually. Um, But I would say, you know, for me, the most clear thing has been, when I have married my intuition and business, because as much as I married it or not married it, as much as it was part of my everyday life, you know, for years until COVID hit, um, I had a very particular way of how I did business and these personal interests of mine, because I'm a serial entrepreneur. I run several businesses, but this innate intuition and spirituality and um, higher purpose work it was something that I kept very private because of, because I thought, you know what, people in the business world, um, you know, the 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 entrepreneurs that I come across, they're not going to take me seriously, you know, if I share this. And in the in the the whirlwind, or or not the whirlwind, but really the the perfect storm that COVID created, it became really clear to me that. I didn't want to work with people that wouldn't understand this part of me. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to, and that's where really what I call business enlightened um, came from and, and where I really started to become public about all the businesses that I run and the unifying um, kind of intention behind them, which is really um, advocating mental wellness um, in the business space. Um, because one of the pillars of mental wellness for me is listening to your intuition. So, you know, something that I had been hiding for, for my whole life, um, or keeping it very separate when I all of a sudden started to become public with it, it was like my business took off. And I was like, oh my gosh, like 
how how was I not doing this before? It's so much part of my values, but I was just never really speaking it and and being and leading with it. Um, but in particular, where I have found it to be incredibly useful is um, for me. As I, the more and more that I trusted my intuition, the more that I led my business with it. So, in essence, what I do is I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, "You tell me what I have." Like I, I, I actively engage my intuition, and I'm like, "I need to know what you want me to work on today." And as much as it, I'm somebody, you know, I have a technology and a process improvement company, so we have deadlines and we have projects and all that stuff, but. Many times my intuition would be like, put this on hold for a second and focus on this project. And I was like, but I have a deadline coming up, right? I have, you know, I have two days to complete this. I have to do this. And they're like, just put it on hold. Just put it on hold. And the thing is, is that this is where the trust comes in, right? And that real surrender. And the more that I surrendered to it, the more I saw that come to fruition. I saw that I would get a call from the client at the end of the day and be like, hey, you know what? That meeting for presenting that deliverable, I'm going to need to push it out a week. And I was like, wow, okay. So I was able to, you know, really become hyper productive, but not because I have this magical system of like, do this process first. My magical system is I'm listening to my gut. And I'm listening to where that's leading me. Um, and I find that that business enlightened model, um, three times more productive, I'm able to accomplish way more than I ever was in the past. It becomes effortless because you're in this flow of accepting as your intuition works through you to give you, whether it's the creativity, the answers to, to problems that you're struggling with, it just becomes really easy. And for someone like myself who was raised in a family of you got to work hard, that's really challenging to all of a sudden be in a scenario where, hey, if I just listen, this is easier. Seems almost like you're cheating, right? Yeah. Uh, but but it is it it is that's why I say like you wanna you wanna keep that business savviness. Like traditional business wisdom has value. Don't get me wrong. But you want to have that flexibility to it so that you're able to lead with your intuition while still applying that wisdom. Yeah, beautiful. And have you ever had a situation where you listened? So you put project one, you know, back on the burner. And because you did that, the the project that you thought you had to work on eventually worked out way better because you had absolutely right that you needed absolutely yep yeah. and 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 i call it the beautiful chaos like the coordinated chaos that the right. universe works in in that scenarios would arrange themselves people would step in people would step out insight would come from the most odd of places that would make whatever i was delivering 10 times better yeah. in a with a fraction of the effort Instead yeah. of forcing yourself to plow through something um, in a way that didn't honor those natural rhythms. Right. Because sometimes you plow forward and then you realize, oh, if I just waited, uh, Absolutely. this, this would have happened and then I wouldn't have had to plow so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you feel it. I, I now am at the point where I can feel the resistance. I can feel myself hitting my head against the wall. And I'm like, I need to step away from this because mm -hmm. I'm not in flow. 
and I create better when I'm in flow and what I create, the quality of what's produced is just so much better that, you know, um, does it require a bit of mental flexibility and, you know, being able to rearrange? Sure, it does, right? Um, it might not be everybody's cup of tea, but I sure like how this cup of tea is working for me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> really beautiful. So have we covered the five tips in our conversation or have we missed one or two? Let me see. So you want to ask, you want to use traffic, you want to um, do the work, um, you want to be open and put yourself in an open and receptive state to receive. Um, and let me see. Yeah. And I think, oh yeah. And the fifth one is you might not like the answer. <laughs> yeah. So traffic, you mean to practice? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you might not like the answer. Have you have you an example of that? I love that. Every day. Every day, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> right? I'm trying to think of one though. Yeah, like, like specifically, um, yeah, okay. So, you know, I, I think after I hit 40, and this is a big one for me, after I hit 40, you kind of have an idea of how you think your life is going to go. And it doesn't always go that way. Right. And it's like, if you've ever heard the phrase, um, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. And that's kind of, that was one, that was a big one for me that I was like, I didn't like the answer. Right. Um, but do I recognize that my life is um, happier and better because of not necessarily um, fulfilling that plan that I saw of myself at this age? You know, the jury's still out on that. That's an answer that I'm probably still struggling with. But um, yeah, it's, uh, again, when you really surrender to the power that we all have within us, because every single person has their gift um, it, when it comes to intuition. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's going to go out and have it to the level where, where you might be, you know, doing a reading for someone or I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that innate little voice that we all carry, that we start hearing at a young age and that has kept us out of trouble um, or warned us about the upcoming trouble and we refuse to listen. We all have that. And so, you know, um, really recognizing um, the power of that, I think is something that um, I, I don't want to sound trite, but I really think the world could change if we lived in a society where we honored that instead of ignored it. Um, in the intro to my podcast, or in the episode zero, I talk about how Intuition is always in the backdrop of a good story. So when those, you know, when those two star-crossed lo lovers met, and they're like, yeah, my little boy said I just had to go to the coffee shop this morning, right? Um, or those titans of industry, and they're like, I had this idea, and the world thought I was crazy, but I kept moving forward. Intuition is always there. So, you know, if we could recognize that and make and and bring it as a priority instead of as a as kind of the background i think we would have a very different place to live in yeah and i think it's a remembering too i think that we come in as humans losing 
so much of our gifts in remembrance of how powerful we are mm-hmm. that we have to re-remember it. And I think you're right that it would be a different world if we each tuned into it, because then we would add to the pattern of of the beauty that could be this planet and just make it the most wonderful place if we yeah, let that heart-centered intuition. Absolutely. And, you know, as someone who teaches this and I really try and walk my talk, you know, it's not it's not an easy thing to do to not just live by your intuition, but honor that others live by their intuition. Yeah. Because just as much as you might not like some of the answers that your intuition is giving you, you're probably not going to like the answers that other people are getting to follow their own gut. But sadly, we still live in a place where we are actively taught not to listen to our intuition. Um, you know, people that have heard me speak before, I've, I, I never get tired of this story because it just really kind of brings that message home. I remember being 12 years old and watching an Oprah episode after school. I was a latchkey kid, so me and me and Oprah grew up together. And she had this security expert on. It had nothing to do with intuition, spirit, nothing. It was it was a kind of like for your own safety type of thing. And this guy meant he's like, listen, we're the only mammals on the planet that teach our children not to listen to their gut instinct. And he gave the example of um, if if a woman was standing at an elevator waiting for the elevator and a guy came by that kind of didn't something gave her the creeps out of politeness we are taught to get on that elevator instead of sit back and wait right and he said you try and get a cat or a dog into a space that they don't want to go into right that animal will kill itself before it lets you you know surrender to to not listening to their gut and that really just stuck so much with me because I'm like, wow, we have this beautiful gift yet so much of society works so hard to just drain it out of us. And when we get to a certain age, we're like, we're desperate to get it back. Yes. Cause I think as kids, we're fairly in touch with it. Absolutely. Right. What a great story. I love that. So ADHD, you now see it as your superpower. And I'm, I'm pretty sure as a kid, you did not. Right? <laughs> well, I didn't know I had it as a kid. So oh, you didn't? no, so that is intuition driven as well. Um, yeah. So in my early 30s, I was going back to school. And my intuition kept saying, you need to get tested. You need to get tested. You don't have time to waste. You know, you're you're in your 30s now. I was going back to um, I had a failed business under my belt and I was going back to get my master's in social work. And it was like, you need to get tested. Like it was just, I would wake up with it throughout the day, it would come, I would go to sleep with it. I would, and I was like, okay, okay, clearly I have to figure out how to get tested. Thinking, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know what was gonna come up, but I'm like. I didn't think that was going to come up. Let's put it that way. And and it came back. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. And it really changed not only my life at the time, but it really has been influential in the direction that I've taken not only myself, but my businesses over the last few years. Um, 
you know, there was a little bit, I, I call it my orbit of chaos, kind of like uh pig pen from the peanuts, that mm. little, that little kind of orbit that just went everywhere with me. Um, I jokingly tell people my mother would, and it's it, jokingly, but also a true story. My mother would find my house keys in the freezer <laughs> when she would come home from work. Um, and she's like, how are you ever like, no one, how are you ever going to get to school on time? You don't know where your key, like, look where you find it anyway. Um, so uh, after my diagnosis, um, I was livid. I was so angry for the first three months because, you know, there were struggles that I had in school that no one ever stopped to say, Hey, maybe there's something off. Maybe there's something wrong. Right. Um, and then. But, you know, I was able to kind of stop myself and say, okay, clearly this is, you know, this makes sense. So what are we going to do with this now? Because you got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Um, But what that diagnosis gave me, which I'm super grateful for, is it taught me not only that I had ADHD, but it taught me how my ADHD shows up in my life how it affects my learning style and in essence my working style cuz what you know whatever learning style you have you're going to take that into the workforce and so it it really gave me a really really good accurate snapshot and i remember that program that i was in was rich and heavy in essay work like we were handing in 3 4 essays a week and i remember i was probably 2 weeks into the program when my first essay came up and I received my diagnosis around the same time. My first essay, as much as I was able to write it quickly, it took me about five hours of proofreading because it was just these tiny, stupid little errors that I couldn't see. And with my diagnosis, they took me, I, I had an opportunity to work with someone called a learning technologist. And it's how to incorporate your particular learning style and difficulties and use adaptive technology to or assistive technology to um uh to make you know to help you through those those difficulties. So my second essay, my editing was done in 20 minutes. And I remember I had tears in my eyes because I was like, this seems possible now. And all that hard work that I had done before, but it was just it wasn't that I wasn't working hard enough. It's just that I wasn't working in 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 the appropriate way. And so what I learned from that, I took those adaptive technologies and I recommend them in my in the work that I do now with businesses because the reality is is that there's a ton, a ton of neurodiversity in the business world. Um, the rates of neurodiversity are four times higher in entrepreneurs than in the general population. Um, 72% of entrepreneurs suffer from some type of mental illness, whether diagnosed or undiagnosed. And so these struggles that I was having, I'm like, there has to be other people that are going through this. And the more that I would work with businesses on the back end, because that was a little kind of side hustle that I had started during that program that just grew from there, the more I started to see, oh yeah, for sure, this is here. And I'd be like, hey, look, there's this tool that can do this. And they're like, oh, wow, that's a game changer, right? And so as much as I was intuition led and, you know, it's definitely part of my superpower now. Um, it wasn't always the case at all, at all. <laughs> Sometimes I think we all suffer from some ADHD, right? To me, it's the monkey mind. 
you know, and it will skip around and not keep you on course and not have you paying attention or being in the moment. Yep. Well, and, and now they're showing ADHD, you know, as a, as a physician, you must know, you know, they're showing now that um, intense early childhood trauma um, yeah. shows up at, as ADHD later on in life. Right. Cause right? so not really grounded in your, yeah. in your moment in this body and, you know, so you're, Sure. And there's, there's nervous system dysregulation and, yeah. you know, stored trauma and, you know, a whole host of, of things that, that in and of itself can block your intuition as well. Right. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Because if you're monkey mind and you're jumping around, then you're not really, you can't really focus and, and listen to that mm-hmm. quiet voice. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've learned to hone that. And now you see because of it, that your intuition is even more powerful. So I just, I don't know if I've learned to hone it, but I've learned to manage (laughs) a little better because, you know, we all have like, I still have my moments where I can identify it quicker now when I'm off the wagon versus on the wagon. Let's put it that way. Well, I think as humans, we're often off the wagon, right? Yeah, absolutely. More normal, like you were saying, more prevalent than we think. Yeah. but And we should normalize that, right? We should just honor the fact that we're not meant to be on the wagon 24-7. That's just not how life works. No, we weren't born wired like that. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, as humans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's just part of the journey. Yeah. So maybe just to sum up, leave us with, you know, how you can, because business and intuition, right? We're all striving to find what we love in life, which is really business and, and intuition. Just leave us with something beautiful to contemplate. Oh, that's a big request. Something beautiful to contemplate. Okay. Well, you know, if there's one thing that I can tell people, and you can apply this to business, but I think you can apply it to other areas of your life too. Sometimes your biggest weakness is what you need to lean into for it to, to, for you to recognize how much that is actually your superpower. Because you, you're able to acknowledge the struggles that you've been through and you're able to really, you know, um, see on the other side of that. And I think sometimes it's not always clear to us why we're going through certain struggles. Um, you know, if you would have asked me in my youth, if I would have ever considered that I'd be an entrepreneur, I would have said you were out to lunch. And it took me until I was in my mid-30s to recognize that I started my first business when I was 12 and have had countless since, right? So, you know, don't don't beat yourself up too much if you don't see the signs that have been there your whole life. But when you do, embrace them. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Carolina. Thanks for having me, Jane. This was great. And Carolina, before we leave, just share with our audience how we can find more of you. Yeah, definitely. So um, you can find me at bookcarolina.com or Carolina, just like the state, B-O-O-K-C-A-R-O-L-I-N-A 
com. That is, um, that's a site where it will tell you all the projects that I'm currently involved in, my different businesses and speaking opportunities. Great. And I'll put that in the show notes. Perfect. 